Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Rangers Runtime today. I am, as usual, Max, joined by Mike. Hey now. And Hayden. As usual. And today we are joined by an extremely special guest. We're very, very happy to welcome on Evan Grant at the Dallas Morning News. How are you doing today? Hey guys, how are you? Nah, we're doing all right. Doing better now. A lot of fun, although I guess we're all doing a little bit uh, better than, than some of us, and we could be uh, doing worse. We just saw the news right before you came on here about uh, Kyle Gibson going on the, the injured list today, so that's uh, maybe not the, the most fun place to start, but I think it's at least where my mind is right now. Well, I don't think it's too terribly serious. I think he might miss as little as one start. Um, uh, he's apparently been pitching through some groin soreness that... I was not aware of um, the last couple of starts, um, and clearly the the Astro start was was more stressful on him um, than previous than than some of the previous outings. I think he matched his any his uh, total number of pitches high for the year um, in that game, and he was pitching with traffic a lot. So I I, I think. You know where the Rangers are. There's going to be some management of workloads for everybody, and I think they're they're going to um, act judiciously on on pitchers. And um, if if Gibson is a little bit sore right now, and they can they can knock it out by by skipping him maybe once, and with the number of off days they've got coming up, maybe giving him some extra rest too. Uh, I think that's kind of the way they want to approach it. Well, that's that certainly is is I guess the best case scenario with with something like that. Um, Gibson being so good for us this year uh, really hurts to have that kind of move down to somebody else. But I guess it means that we'll see another uh, West Benjamin start. Is that kind of the the plan? Possibly. Um, Wes is. Uh, they're calling Wes up. I, I don't. I have not yet seen a plan, and we're not. We're not going to get a. Um, uh, a media availability until uh, later this afternoon, but uh, Wes is coming up. I don't know if he'll start or if the Rangers will, will pitch that kind of out of a out of a bullpen game. I think a lot may depend on on how far Young goes tonight. You know, if if Young can give them five or six, um, maybe they pitch a bullpen game um, uh, instead of instead of the deal with with Gibson, but. Um, I think it's all going to be predetermined by what happens with Young. And that's maybe not the worst place uh, for Rangers fans to be. I don't know that a lot of folks came into the season really expecting to be uh, relying on or really looking forward to some good Hyunjung Young starts by the end of May. We talked about him a little bit before the season started as a, as a pretty interesting arm, and he's, his transition to the majors has been extremely impressive so far. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, he's... Uh, Talked to a couple people about him. I, I think that um, he is. Uh, what's interesting to me about this guy is here's a guy who's pitched a you know over a decade in in Korea. He's been one of the best pitchers in Korea for a long time. Came here on a minor league deal. Knew that that he didn't have a guaranteed spot in, on the roster. Was okay with that. Um, uh, kind of basically told media in Korea when he was leaving, you know, that he, he was guaranteed of nothing, and that's how he was he was going into this thing. So uh, he's approached it with a with a humility. He's, he's just been willing to do whatever it's necessary to, to to stick in the big leagues. I told somebody yesterday that I was talking with from the Rangers that, quite frankly, I'm a little surprised. I, I didn't think he would 
be able to compete with um, the lack of, of velo that he, he has, but he's really savvy. Um, he seemed to have gotten better with each outing. Uh, he does, as, as the Ranger said, he he does have the ability to manipulate the baseball. And I, I think this is one of those cases where um, the amount of experience he had in Korea kind of kind of is a uh, um, is is something of an asset for him. Uh, I don't know how long uh, this may last, but for the time being, he's certainly proved himself capable of, of, of competing at the big league level. Yeah, yeah it's been great. Um, so, so talking about him, it kind of reminds me, I've been um, looking through his Instagram lately because he's been, he's been posting some pretty fun kind of insidery, I guess, human type of stuff. It seems like he's connected really well with, with the teammates and they're like, I don't know, going out for sushi and he's like always smiling huge and stuff like that. Um, which makes me think about kind of a clubhouse culture, um, you know, and I think back to to the World Series teams and the teams around those years, and how you know it was such a it was you know purported to be a, such a fun place to play, and those teams were filled with veterans. Um, with with kind of the the nature of the the, the roster now, with I, I believe Trevino is the oldest player in the room, or at least position player, and and Gallo is the longest tenured guy. Um, what kind of uh, I don't know? Is there any insight or, or kind of like? I don't know power leadership dynamics that have uh, have kind of like materialized this season. It you know it's difficult for me to to answer that at this point just because we haven't as media we haven't been in the clubhouse and I even if we were in the clubhouse I, I I'm not sure how deep of a look we would get. Um, sure. But I I do feel like. Uh, everything that I've seen over the last two years is that Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was was really prepping himself to have a strong role in this clubhouse, um, and I think he's certainly taken that on this year. And and I think it is it's something that you can't force yourself into. You know, I think Elvis tried to do that um, the year after Adrian Beltre retired, and I think that that leadership is something that. That either it, it can't be a burden. It, it, it if it impedes your ability to do your own job, then you've got then you've got some issues. And and I think Isaiah understands that part of it. I, every time I listen to him talk, I hear more and more of of Michael Young in him. And I've certainly got an affinity for for what Michael Young brought to this club. Um, and I think that that Isaiah is is wired very much the same way. So. Um, what I do feel like is that this team has, uh, and maybe it's because the lack of established veterans um, with long-term ties to the Rangers, uh, it does seem to, everybody does seem to be a little bit more free, does seem to be um, more capable of just establishing their own personality, and everybody adds a little something. I, you know, as, as you've mentioned, um Young has has been pretty, uh, I think, pretty humorous and, and easygoing with his teammates. Uh, obviously, Adolis Garcia has added some fire. Um, Jose Trevino and, and Isaiah Kainofalefa and and Nick Solak all have elements of both, you know, I think both leadership and um, uh, different elements of how they compete and communicate. And, and I think one thing the Rangers are. are kind of moving towards is a clubhouse which is 
ensemble leadership rather than some designated singular or or very small leadership council. I think everybody's got a stake in this team, and when everybody does, you know, everybody tends to pull together a little bit more. Yeah, we've definitely talked a lot about that dynamic so far this year, uh, and obviously anything that has to do with Isaiah Kainer-Falefa is a very popular topic on the podcast. He's been sort of, a, I think, a fan favorite for many years, and we are first and foremost fans of this team. Uh, but I think that kind of leads into something interesting that you mentioned early on in that, that getting a handle on what it looks like in the clubhouse has been difficult for you this year because you are distanced from the team. Um, and something that I think that we don't have a lot of perspective on as fans has been the impact that COVID has had on the sort of administration of baseball, of the not just the game. We've kind of seen what, what that's done. We've seen how not having fans in the stands really had a, an odd impact last year. But, you know, sort of what is the situation right now in terms of um, sort of the, the, the follow-on staff? You've got all of the, the writers. You've got broadcasting. You've got a lot of folks who have jobs in and around the Rangers who are having more of a difficult time, I assume, this year of doing it. Uh, you said you're not traveling with the team right now. Is that right? Well, I, we are. The, the newspaper is. Um, oh, okay. uh, I, um, I, this is a three-city road trip, and at my advanced age, I'm trying to only be gone um, a week at a time when it's not spring training. So um, uh, Sam Bloom from our paper is in Anaheim, and I will leave tomorrow night and go to Seattle and, uh, and Denver. So we are traveling. Um, uh, I'll toot our own horn a little bit. I think we are the only local outlet that has been traveling regularly. Um, as far as the clubhouse goes, no, we're, we're not in the clubhouse right now. And um, certainly that's not the way we'd like to do our job. We'd like to be able to talk to players individually and tell you individual stories that, that are all differentiated from one another. Um, that's sure. taking a little bit more it's taking a little bit more work right now, but I think we've, I think we've been able to do some of that. Um, I'm pretty proud of the Adolis Garcia story we we did this morning um, in this morning's newspaper that kind of pulled back a little bit, just a little bit of his um, uh, his story and how he got uh, how he got to the Rangers and and what he's been through since he he left Cuba. Um, yeah. But uh, listen. I mean, we. Nobody is doing their job. I think exactly as they would like to be doing it for the last year, um, and so in an environment where it's your job to kind of be an insider, it certainly adds some more impediments. And I, I can't wait until we can get back on the field or back in the clubhouse and and talk to guys individually um, and kind of. Baseball, more than other sports, is a sport of relationships, and so it, it, it depends on kind of that that cocktail um, party kind of format where you can walk around the room, talk to different guys, have different conversations, drop in and drop out. Um, but for the time being, this is what we're dealt with, and, and it's up to us to find different ways to, um, to tell you and tell fans stories. And um, uh, it's it's been a challenge, and every... <laughs> Every um, every challenge you face, you know, I'm taking a page from the Chris Woodward book. Every, every challenge you face also presents some opportunities, and and I think we've we've taken those to, to try and tell some different stories. And um, this year in particular, with the draft being such a big part of, of the Rangers' overall story, 
we focus some more attention on the draft and focus more attention on trying to tell stories related to the draft. Uh, we did a pretty big profile of Jordan Lawler um, mm. a couple of weeks ago. We did a, a, a look at, at Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter um, when I, I was fortunate enough to go see Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Um, I think we'll have a couple more draft stories coming up over the next six weeks leading into the draft. Um, so it, it's all it's all about finding the stories out there, and, and that's what I'm supposed to do, and so I'm trying to do it. That's great. It's, it's great that you are able to get out there with the team and make do with the, the best that you have. Um, <clears throat> along the lines, the same lines with the, the good old pandemic, uh, question for you, are there plans to uh, bring back Meet the Press? I know it it got killed right when the pandemic started and I really enjoyed those two episodes that they got out there and hoping to see some more of that sometime soon. Certainly hope to, to get back to that. Um, we right now are, we're a little bit understaffed in the, in the um, videography department at our paper. So, um, uh, that's an issue. And obviously, uh, it's going to, I think it's still going to take some time before players and, and um, athletes are, are more comfortable, you know, just sitting down in a in a grab lunch environment. But listen, I, I, I'm I'm glad people enjoyed it. My my hope with that was to almost bring something of a of a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Anthony Bourd- the late Anthony Bourdain show Parts Unknown. Oh, of course. Um, but you know, it, it's it's a poor imitation of that. But what I hope to do was have lunch with somebody, tell us, tell their story, let them have a little bit of fun, um, introduce people to different, um, uh, different places in, in DFW, uh, to eat. And, you know, food is such a, food's such a, it breaks barriers so well. So, um, that was just, uh, that's my intent. I'm hoping we can get back to it. And, um, it does my heart good when people actually remember it from, from over a year ago and, and mention it. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah very good well. shows. Oh yeah, they were great. Um, so I want to uh, rewind just a little bit since you brought up the draft and the profiles you've been able to oh yes to, to write up and uh, getting to see those Vanderbilt pitchers in person. Um, I mean, I've got to ask uh, who who are we taking, <laughs> and, or or at the very least, of course, who? <laughs> what are your thoughts? You know, if you're not gonna you know reveal that hand, of course, and um, what what kind of is there any kind of uh, I mean I guess it, baseball is a sport for example where you know unlike other ones you don't necessarily draft for need you know Rangers historically need pitching we have left side of the infield bats you know looking good so it would seem like maybe Lawler isn't the guy but maybe he's so good he's a can't miss guy I don't know these are the kinds of things that I just speculate on that you might have more kind of an opinion and, and, and a hypothesis on I mean I, I think with with the Rangers, so much goes into it, um, and really, I mean, really, with every team. But I think with the Rangers, there's some there's some added layers this year, um, particularly because they haven't really hit on the first round for a while. Um, uh, I, I think that you can't ever get away from the the best player mentality, but I, it, it is more of a I think there is some argument to be made this year for uh, the pitchers, um, or even if the club were to go in the direction of, say, Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville. Um, I think that as you're trying to time things up, the Rangers believe that they can be in a position to compete and contend um, in 2023. 
I don't think that if you took uh, Justin Lawler or Marcelo Meyer or uh, Khalil Watson or the, the high school pitcher Jackson Job from Oklahoma, that you could count on those guys to be in your plans for 2023, maybe not even 2024. And, sure. and so that's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, we have we've speculated a lot on, well, will the Rangers go out and pursue Trevor Story? Would they pursue Corey Seager? This is an offseason to to certainly examine the, uh, the, the shortstop class of free agents. Um, I think the way Kiner Falefa is playing adds some level of intrigue to that. Uh, so that's one thing. But I also think if you're going to go and try and recruit Trevor Story or Corey Seager, um, it's a lot better if you can say, look, we're going to be able to plug Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter into our rotation or uh, uh, Henry Davis into our lineup in the next year. That it's not such a um, uh, nebulous kind of situation. So I think all of those things have to play some role in discussions. Whether they play a role in decisions, I don't know. I I, I feel like, and I've, I've said this, if you ask me to pick between Lighter and Rocker right now, it'd be really, really difficult for me to do that. Um, but I feel like to oversimplify things, that the Vanderbilt program, particularly where pitchers are involved, is a special, special program. I think these are special pitchers in that program. Um, I was all on board with Kumar Rocker coming out of high school in 2018. Uh, he wasn't going to sign for less than a, a $4 million bonus or so, um, and that's why he ended up at Vanderbilt. And he's done nothing over the last three seasons to dissuade me from thinking that this is a guy who could – who could be a big-time starting pitcher. Um, the only, I guess the only question in all of that that I have is, well, Leiter's come so far in the, in the two years he's been at Vanderbilt. So um, I was impressed by, by what I saw from both of those guys. I know that there are still question marks. Leiter, Leiter had his fastball working, but, you know, he does tend to lose command of his pitches a little bit. He always seemed against Ole Miss at least he had some trouble against the first batter of the inning but was able to to, to locate the zone thereafter and was was dominant um Rocker didn't have a great fastball then uh, Ole Miss hammered a couple of early fastballs they were looking for fastballs he made a decision that rather than try and work with um an average fastball that night he was going to go to secondary stuff. And he basically pitched his last four innings with nothing but sliders, change-ups, and curveballs. And, 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 and Ole Miss didn't do anything. And to me, so if you're looking for if you're looking for a fastball that jumps off the, off the screen at you, you didn't see that that Friday night. But if you're looking for pitchability and for a refined sense of how to go after hitters, you did. And I think at this point, at this point, it's really hard for me to be looking at a pitcher and not be convicted about his fastball. I think you have to be at this stage in the game. And so I'm, I come away from that outing looking at the positives much more than I do the negatives. 
Yeah, I mean, the pitching thing is definitely something we've talked about a lot. I think that that aspect of it as a way to recruit players potentially at the major league level onto your team is a really, really interesting one. And um, that's obviously going to be something really worth keeping up with and worth following, especially as the Rangers are approaching the draft from a couple of different angles. Obviously, this team threw a lot for a loop last year with the Evan Carter selection in the second round. That's been a really interesting one to follow. So the draft has been, like you said earlier, kind of the story of the year in some ways for Texas. And injecting potentially a, a, a top, you know, it's going to be the second overall pick, but a, a guy really worthy of a, of a top five pick out of a great pitching program like Vanderbilt. Obviously, there's a lot of major league players with Vanderbilt roots, um, and you'd be asking that guy to, to step in at the top of the pitching prospect rotation, as it were, for Texas, along with names like Cole Wynn and Hans Kraus, who have now both made their season debuts at Frisco. Wynn's gotten, I think, three full starts in, and, and Kraus has pitched a little bit. Uh, are, are these guys that, that Texas fans should be aware of from a big league perspective in 2020, do you think? Um, I don't know that I would expect to see um, either of those guys in the big leagues this year. I, I, I certainly think Wynn... Um, I, I think it's possible that Wynn will get there. Um, I think Hans is probably just a little bit behind him right now. And I think there's more question about Hans' role long term than uh, than there is about Kraus. I mean, I'm sorry, about Wynn. Um, I think that there are some people who believe that Kraus, because of the, the effort and because in their words, he's an adrenaline junkie on the mound. That um, <laughs> he is very fun to watch. Yeah, that, that he may he may profile better as a reliever. Um, I I think there is less question about Win. I think everybody feels like Win has a really repeatable delivery. It's kind of um, it, it's kind of compact. It's very compact actually, uh, and he's 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 just got the mound presence of a starter. Um, but I, I still think that. With these guys, the Rangers need to see them in whatever role, whether Hans ends up being a reliever or not, Rangers need to see these guys really dominate their league. I, I, I think one thing that has, has been something of a detriment um, where the Rangers are concerned in terms of player development is that I've seen too many guys come up and be given opportunities when I, I feel like they only were able to hold their own at the minor league level. And I, I think the most recent example of that is, is Leody Tavares. Last year he got a call up for some unusual circumstances. Um, sure. And he did kind of hold his own up here. Didn't, didn't overwhelm anybody, but also didn't seem overwhelmed at the plate. Um, this spring, I think the Rangers went into spring with the idea that they were going to leave it with Leody Tavares as their starting center fielder. And I don't know that he had done anything to give you that much reassurance last year. And so I, I think as they move forward, they need to see more, um, more dominance at the minor league levels before they're ready to to make um, promotions. And I, I think that's going to apply with Josh Young when he gets back in two and a half weeks. I, I think it's going to take him. The Rangers need to see him go out, whether it's a Frisco or a Round Rock, go out there and dominate that league. Uh, put up big numbers. Not just have, not just be able to acquit himself there, but really put up um, the kind of numbers that make you say, 
this guy needs to be in another league. This league is no longer good enough for him, and and I'll be interested to see how they handle that. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, that that's that's very true. Um, so I get it's uh, time to let you go. Um, so we want to thank you for your time and, and joining us. This has been super fun and and insightful. Um, I have one last question, if you don't mind, just kind of rapid fire, somewhat. It's just one though, so I guess that's only. A singular fire, uh, a rapid uh, single fire. Yeah, yeah. If you guys got, if you guys each have a question, no worries. Let's uh, let let's um let me see how fast on my feet I am. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Okay. <laughs> well, and uh, so my question is is basically we we just talked about the uh, kind of the you know the shiny names and lights in the minor system, um with with your kind of access and 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 everything else. What are some names that you know any level of the minors that that you kind of have a prospect crush on that maybe the average diehard fan such as us um, have not come across yet that we should maybe keep watching for. Oh, uh, so I, I, the the first guy that kind of comes to mind was going to be um, Dane Acker, uh, but he is hurt and out with Tommy John. Um, uh-huh. I think he was the un, unquestioned star of minor league spring training this this year. And the Rangers were really impressed with the kid that the, that was part of the Elvis Andrus Chris Davis trade. Um, I, I think that a couple of guys who could move really quickly, uh, particularly since bullpen guys tend to do that. Are Cole Uvula, who's at Frisco this year, um, and Nick Snyder, who is back from from Tommy John. Uh, so those are those are two guys I, I, I'm I'm kind of trying to keep track of. I've been a big Curtis Terry um, guy really yes. from day one. Uh, I don't know if Curtis will play in the big leagues this year, but I grow more and more convinced that he will play in the big leagues for this team. He can just flat out hit. So. If you're asking me for four names, those would have been the probably the four that I would have uh, gone to fastest. And we love all those guys. We especially love Big Rig. Yeah, Terry gets a, a lot of uh, a lot of talk. He's a very fun guy to box score stat, and he's obviously extremely fun to get video on uh, when we get access to it. Uh, just on the context of hitters, then this is a, a curveball, which is not a good, uh, you know turn of phrase there for a baseball-themed podcast, but I'm doing what I can. Um, an interesting topic we've seen a lot this year is how dominant pitching has been, and obviously there have been just millions of gallons of online ink and probably real-life ink spelled on how good the pitching has been. Something that I caught a little bit in spring training was Rangers' discussion about developments in hitting tech. Um, I believe it was Gallo and maybe a couple other players who were experimenting with like big knob bats. We've seen Isaiah Kainer-Falefa and his experiences with an axe handle bat as well. What's sort of the chatter there? Are the Rangers guys getting into any of this kind of stuff? Is something that's on the horizon still? Are we still you know, waiting to see how it all pans out? Well, I mean, I, I just think that on the biomechanics and analytics um, level, pitching advanced much faster and farther than, than hitting did. And, mm-hmm. and so there, there is some, there's some effort to, to make some, some inroads on that. But I think that it's just a question. It's, it's just a situation right now where, where the pitching is ahead of the hitting. And I don't know if with the amount of velocity that guys are throwing with on a regular basis um, and with the amount of spin that they've, they've been able to generate, I don't know how long it will take hitting to catch up at this at this rate. Um, certainly, I think for hitting to catch up, the approaches is go- the approach is going to have to change. Um, 
pitchers are willing to let batters hit the ball hard as long as they've got fielders there. Uh, and and the shift the shift eliminates that. And I I really feel like you are going to see. Um, I, I feel like you will see within the next two years, uh, maybe as quickly as, as the, this coming collective bargaining agreement, if, if, if they ever get around to actually getting on the same page, that we will see some modification or elimination of the shift. And while I've always been a guy who, you know, basically said, well, just learn to hit where they're, they're giving you the hole. Um, I also know that every other sport has basically made rule changes of a significant nature to promote offense. And if that's what needs to happen with baseball at this point in time, um, then that's what needs to happen. So I'll be, I'll be okay with it. Um, you know, I thought I was going to feel nauseous over the extra inning rule. And uh, I think it, it's added a level of, of immediate excitement. I think it's added, um, other elements of strategy and, you know, I think it it does something to potentially eliminate uh, managers um, p- being put in a really tough spot to, to manage their bullpens um, and wholesale changes being needed um, uh, after a 19 or, or 17 inning game. So I, I think it's time for baseball to look at some of these at, at some of these rules that have been in place because we found ways to exploit them and. It's going to take some some artificial element to uh, to even things back up. All right, El, uh, Evan. Um, continuing with the rapid fire, I'm the last one up, um, and, and mine's going to be pretty simple. Um, just hoping you have more knowledge than we do. Just want to know where are a couple of these guys? Uh, first one, Baron Laura. Uh, is he fully recovered from his car accident? Where is he? currently and also maximo acosta so people have asked is he uh, in extended spring training and what are your thoughts on him i believe maximo is in an extended spring i gotta be honest i have not kept up much on the guys extended to this point um it's uh <laughs> it's been an adjustment back to having a full minor league season so it's it's been hard enough to keep up with the four um full season minor league teams um but yeah sure. I, I i think maximo is there Byron health-wise came out of the um, the car accident uh, okay. Uh, I, I I think that he was released from the hospital the same day as as the accident. He he was very fortunate. Uh, obviously, there were some there were people killed in that accident, and there there remains a um, an ongoing investigation. And as far as I know, that has not been. That has not been closed yet, so he has not been able to leave the Dominican. And I think that he is working out at the Dominican facility to whatever extent he can, but I think that's basically where he's at right now. And, you know, we've checked in on this every couple of weeks, and it's just about time to check in again to see where where things stand. But that, that was the last uh, that we had left it. All right. Well, thanks for the update. Really yeah. appreciate that. And Evan, once again, thanks so much for your time. This has been it's been a dream for me to to, get to have a sit down with you and, and pick your brain about my favorite team. So uh, hopefully we can do it again someday. I appreciate it. I hope I didn't ramble on too much here. So I no, no, um, not definitely not, definitely not. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so very much. All, all right, right. That's it. Thank you.
well that was really really great yeah that was uh, absolutely a lot of fun, actually that was a treat to get to have Evan on he uh, really pro- provided some great insight it's nice to get the scoop yeah. on uh, the Kyle Gibson and Jerry uh, got upfront information from him we uh, we scooped this yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. While you're listening to this, it'll already be spread out, but that's okay. <laughs> but we okay. heard it anyway, among the that. first. Yes. And so you're yeah, by no, proxy hearing it among the first, and psh, what else is there to love? Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I. I mean, I thought there was a lot of really interesting stuff, including the the concept of like ensemble leadership. Uh, just kind of a cool thing that's super nebulous and the things that like on message boards and, and fan groups and stuff like that it's just kind of like we have no idea but he has a better idea and so that was you know really cool and, and I didn't know that he had gotten to see uh, the Vanderbilt pitchers pitch oh yeah I'd seen that he, he, and he put all that on uh, on Twitter but uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I missed all that so I mean him talking was it he was saying that uh, uh, it was Rocker or Lighter that lost his fastball that day, I, I've already forgotten. That, that was Rocker. It was one of the guys. Yeah, Rocker. Yeah. So talking about like pitchability, using off-speed stuff. That's stuff that you know, like I mean, I don't, I don't know. So that was really great to, to kind of hear from and and how that could pertain to off-season acquisitions, especially on the shortstop side. And mm-hmm. I think it's just really there's a lot of like uh, you know threads that all connect that he has a really great handle on. I, I love that. It turns out baseball no guy uh, useful. He. he Know some stuff yeah. about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that he's getting to travel with the team, at least. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, that, I regret that I didn't ask if he was uh, pulling rank on a junior rider. That he, you know, somebody else has to go to Anaheim and he gets the Seattle-Denver <laughs> leg of that trip. It's like, okay, come right. on. But, you know, we wouldn't want to have to force him to give away all the secrets, I suppose. De- definitely the... Uh, uh, not a bad way to, to squeeze in a little bit of business. Like, I don't want to be on the road too much. I think I could probably justify going to Seattle and Denver for a few days. You know, if you were really yanking and pulling on it. I've been to Seattle probably, I don't know, a dozen times, and I would never turn down a trip to Seattle. That's such a beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and for folks, uh, he definitely referenced it earlier. There was a pretty good article uh, this morning, so Tuesday, on uh, the DMN on Adelise Garcia. Um, we have yet another version of the El Bombi story. Um, you know, I'm not going to spoil it here, but it, it's in there. Go, go and read it. We have like 400 different translations of what this nickname is, and this is the most recent one. So I'm willing to go with this one is the correct one. It's also quite funny. So highly encourage uh, a look there. And we've talked about Adelise Garcia a ton. So why don't you read about Adelise Garcia from someone who isn't us for once? There you go. We're not done talking about Adelise Garcia, though, because Sunday happened. We'll never be done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after recording on Sunday, he won another game. So, man, if you were to do wins above replacement... He won another game. (laughs) If you were going to do wins above replacement by, like, actual, like, you know, eyeball test, you know, if you you make a game-saving catch, you know, you rob a home run for the last out of the game... Mm -hmm. Like, that's a win. Yeah, you won the game. The game wouldn't have been won without you. If you were, like... Did that kind of basically thing. win probability added? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so, kind of. But although on the on the um, on the walk off that he hit on Saturday, I noticed that IKF had the highest win probability added of a single. Yeah, because that man saved four hundred runs. You, you said yeah. Saturday. Did you mean Friday or Sunday? Uh, 
Uh, Too many walk-ups. Friday. Friday was the dinger. Sunday yeah. was the, yeah. the ground ball up the middle that got uh, Wang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, yes, IKF great and had a great game, and, and it was super important. It's just, like, those numbers also, like, I, if you got to put the win on one guy. Right, yeah, they are less satisfying. So, I don't know. If you were to do wins above replacement at this point, he'd have, like, eight. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will say for the Sunday, they uh, they did give Garcia less win probability added in terms of top plays. Um, his was a you know a single to second base that scored essentially a, a ghost runner who had advanced from second to third, um, and that it was a sixteen percent add. That one play was worth sixteen percent of the game, which is pretty sweet. But uh, John King sitting down, Brakeman uh, swinging, and then getting Brantley to line out um, in the top of that the was huge. Were, yeah. were actually. A teensy bit bigger each, um, just because like those are those are very very difficult uh, plays and like being able to lock that then and give your team the opportunity to walk it off in the bottom of the inning that that's you know that's how you win Huge. literally it is in fact how you win baseball games because that is what actually occurred, <laughs> which rules yes. Yeah, so so Adolis is a final line on the weekend, three home runs, six RBIs. One game, uh, game tying home run, and two game winning hits. I'm willing to go with this guy. Doesn't care for Houston. Yeah, and he he also hates baseballs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just not enough good things you can say about him. We're yeah. we're here for it. It's man, it's fun. It's just it is so fun. Ugh. Baseball is good. <laughs> sometimes, good. sometimes it really is. Um, so I guess last thing, sort of, I guess, as because the last time we recorded, of course, no games were played. Mm-hmm. Going to Anaheim this weekend, or Los Angeles, or wherever they are. Uh, and hopefully we see a, uh, a DeMarcus Evans. Yep. I would love that. Yep. I, I would love like an 11.45 DeMarcus Evans appearance in like the eighth inning when the Rangers are winning by three. You know <laughs> well, mean? I'll, I'll be up flipping back and forth between the Mavs game and the Rangers game, so there's a good chance I'll I'll catch that. Yeah, definitely yeah. looking forward. He's, he's obviously had a, a very good start so far in AAA. He was a tiny, tiny, tiny little just sip of coffee last year, but he was extremely good in that little sip of coffee. It, he's a he's a fun dude. Uh, he yeah. can really wing it in there. So that that's you're definitely rooting for that. Hopefully, Young has another nice appearance for Texas tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean there, there's. There's some stuff going on out there. Curtis Terry, definitely a guy to keep eye on. Even if keeping up with minor league box scores is difficult, and it can be. Uh, I love reading minor league box scores and going to minor league baseball games, and I will forget for, like, days to go and actually check up with them. Just set yourself, like, a little alert. Bookmark the the, the Round Rock page. Just watch what Curtis Terry does. Just kind of, like, night yeah. in, night out. Um Kid's hitting 351. He's on basing over 400. His OPS is over 1100. He has six home runs in 16 games. He's on like a 60 dinger pace over a 162 game season. Obviously, pace is uh, real, and we believe in it, and it is true and very good math. Uh, but I mean, that's an amazing start for Terry. His strikeouts are. You know he's not not striking out, but I think it's about twenty four percent, which is quite good. That's major league average. So this isn't a guy who's just swinging, missing, and putting some in the seats. He hasn't walked a ton. Five percent walk rate is definitely below league average. But why walk when you can hit dingers? There you go. When you're on base in four hundred, I'm not going to complain about your walk rate. I'm like, look, no. 
I don't have the I don't have the grounds to complain about a man who's on basing four oh three. I you know. There's nothing there to complain about. Very fun. Keep an eye on Curtis Terry. And obviously the pitchers at Frisco. If you're really feeling frisky, I will show myself uh, out, sorry. I apologize. Thank you. <laughs> and with that. No good. No good. That's the end of the podcast, everybody. Good night. Go Rangers. Go Rangers. Go Frisco. <laughs>